Paratruth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. Do you love dogs? So do I. That's why today's episode is brought to you by BarkBox.com. Get one free extra month of BarkBox at www.getbarkbox.com forward slash paratruth. Now for your listening pleasure, Paratruth Radio. Christian and non-Christian paranormal investigators. They have two different views, and it seems as if neither of them can ever agree on anything. So what happens when a mainstream view of the paranormal crosses paths with the Christian view? How's it going, Para fans? Welcome to a brand new episode of Paratruth Radio. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. And tonight, as you're listening to the show, whether you've listened a hundred times or if this is your first time coming along, uh, check out paratruthradio.com. It's a site that's dedicated to us, believe it or not. Uh, but uh, you can see current and past episodes, upcoming episodes. Uh, you can check out our sponsors as well as eric's film the revealed and uh you can contact us through there if you're there or uh you know the usual stuff which we will give you at the end uh but interesting show this week so i want to get straight into it ladies and gentlemen boys and girls children of all ages for those of you listening at FringeRadioNetwork.com, as well as ParatruthRadio.com, let's get ready to expose some lies! Now Paratruth presents Flapjack Living, a Flat Earth Discussion. There has been a debate amongst individuals for thousands of years regarding the shape of our earthly plane. Most believe the Earth to be spherical, based on both scientific and photographic evidence. But there are many others who still believe the Earth to be flat. The question is, does the evidence which supports a flat Earth theory hold up against modern science, or does it run a little flat? I wanted to cover this topic, and I'm already seeing the people cringing and the eyes rolling, because it has been done plenty of times before, but uh, it was a request from a listener and a friend. So I wanted to cover this because... This is one of those topics where it's a one-time thing, and I mean, I don't think we could ever come back to it. So, what did you come across for evidence on both sides, or the theories on both sides, uh, as to flat Earth, or spherical, or globe Earth? The idea of a flat Earth is simply this. It's an idea that the Earth's shape, or the plane in which we live on, is simply a disk, or as some actually believe, it's even squared or rectangular. Uh, the idea is that this disk is almost in the form of a snow globe. You know, we all know what a snow globe looks like. So you have the flat Earth, and then above the Earth is a dome, and within that dome 
are the stars and the sun and the moon. And there is nothing outside of that dome except for a pure black space with nothing in it. No planets, no stars, nothing. It's just a void that we constantly float in. A spherical Earth, on the other hand, is pretty much what we come to know today uh, in the 21st century. It's a spherical globe which sits pretty much in the middle of the Milky Way in which the Earth revolves around the sun and the other planets, as opposed to the flat Earth where the sun and the moon and the stars revolve around the Earth. So one of the first points I wanted to bring up about this, and I watched several videos on this, looked at a couple articles, and one of the things that... uh, struck me as odd is the the point that a lot of flat earthers want to make is NASA admits that the earth is photoshopped in any of their pictures, that it's a composite and that it is photoshopped and they have admitted it is photoshopped because it has to be. Now what they're saying here is that they're trying to make the earth look more bright, more vibrant compared to we're turning a flat earth into a sphere. Now, what are your thoughts on this as far as, you know, NASA admitting that they Photoshop earth or what did Uh, you come across? Yeah, no, I mean, it it makes sense. I mean, everyone nowadays photoshops, you know, and and I wouldn't even say photoshops. They, They simply filter or color the photos that they take. Now, the reason behind this usually it could range from a number of different things. One could be the fact that maybe there's so many clouds on Earth at a given time that you can't see the the land or the water. So you'd go in there and you try to remove uh, some of those clouds and then add in the land underneath it, which you may not even have to do because some cameras are so high tech nowadays, you can simply remove the clouds and the land will reveal itself. Um, other things are, depending on where you're shooting from uh, out there in space, you may get a lot of sun glare coming into the lens. So you'd want to go ahead and do a little uh, edit on that as well, because what that sun glare is going to do is it's going to really white out the earth. And it's almost going to just look like a giant land of snow in some places. And so you're going to want to darken that brightness, bring it down enough where you can see the detail of the actual earth itself and the land and get the colors just right. Um, You know, as many of us know, when you take a picture of something, it never really matches what we see with our own eyes. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's because of the filters, it's because of the lenses and because of the mechanisms within the cameras. So yeah, there is going to be a number of uh, editing to any photo that you take, especially if you want to release it. And NASA, let's face it, NASA is not going to go out of its way to release crappy photos. Right. You know, so they're going to take the moment to go ahead and uh, uh, smooth things out and make it to a point where we can see what they're seeing with their own eyes out there in space. Uh, now, there are instances where we have seen recently where NASA released images that are completely computer generated. Now, I don't have a full understanding as to why, but from what I do know and based on what is told in the articles is that some of the planets that we take pictures of, they're so far away that they give us a vague 
understanding of what that planet looks like. And many of them come in infrared. Uh, many of them come in a number of different uh, visual lights that we can't see. And so what they'll do is they'll take the different colors from those different light sources that the camera is using, such as infrared or such as uh, uh, ultraviolet, and they will render it to give you the color that it should really look like. And hence, we end up with this computer graphic of what, say, for example, Mars would look like if we could see it clearly from Earth. Mm. Um, now, that's that's Mars isn't a good example because we actually have pictures of Mars. But we're talking about pictures of planets that are hundreds of light years, hundreds of thousands of light years outside of our atmosphere so uh, and outside of our space. So, And I think that... That I mean, that's a pretty good point. Is you know, even though they're admitting these things, I mean, to the to the certain extent, we have to do these things in order to see them or understand them a little bit better. Mm-hmm. So I I think that it, and you know, it really boils down to as well is do you believe that NASA is lying to us or do you think that they're telling the truth? Now that even goes into the alien theory that we've already discovered life and that we're in constant contact with them. So Mm -hmm. again, people are saying NASA is lying about that too, but that isn't a topic for another day. That's a rabbit hole. We could probably go down even more so, but um, the next topic I wanted to discuss is gravity. Now the way we, we understand gravity now is different than what flat earth, Earthers, I guess you can call them, uh, say is what's going on. What they're saying is, is the Earth is constantly accelerating up at a rate of 32 feet per second squared. So that's why we're able to stay on the ground. It's due to the the force of the Earth moving that keeps us on the ground, not a, a gravitational pull, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. So... What what is an, an argument from the opposite side, the spherical side, that it's actually gravitational pull? Well, I don't want to jump into that just yet. I want to actually talk about uh, this flat Earth thing first because actually the flat Earth uh, theory suggests that if modern science is correct and if the Earth is spherical and is therefore spinning at thousands of miles an hour per hour, according to what science says it is, then we simply, regardless of gravity, would not be able to stay on the ground. We'd just be flying all over the place because the Earth is moving so quickly. Um, Now, the issue here is that based on uh, the, the, the theory or this, I mean, I wouldn't even call it a theory because this is more so a fact in my mind uh, regarding modern science. Uh, the center of gravity is based in the center of Earth's core or in the mass of the Earth, center mm-hmm. of the Earth, ah, the sphere's center of mass, uh, which is what is able to pull everything into the, you know, to the Earth at equal amounts uh, of, of pressure. What's interesting about this is the flat Earth theory uh, or a theorist claim that if the earth was spherical and therefore had gravity then animals such as birds would be incapable of flying airplanes couldn't fly people couldn't jump it just wouldn't happen because the gravity is so strong it would constantly pull down therefore the earth would have 
to be flat and moving upward at 32 feet per second squared in order to allow animals and the likes to fly and move about easily. However, that doesn't really make any sense either. Because if you think about it, 32 feet per second is really fast. Really fast. Which means that if you were to say fly, then as you're flying, the Earth moving at 32 feet per second should smack right up against whatever it is that's flying. Whatever's flying would have to constantly move upward in order to avoid being colliding with the, the floor of the Earth or the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> therefore, it really it just doesn't make any logical sense that a flat Earth or that it moving upward at 32 feet per second squared would beat out the idea that the earth has a gravitational pool. Now, the one thing you got to remember is that based on the center of mass uh, for any given planet, it'll create more or less gravity. Uh, The gravity of Jupiter tends to be much more dense than the gravity of earth. Now we have a smaller planet and therefore we don't have as much mass. So we have enough gravity to keep us level and to keep us secure, but not enough where we're constantly being weighed down. Right. Like you would see in other places. Look at the moon. The moon has mass, but there's not nearly as much gravity, which is why when astronauts are up there, if you believe the astronauts really went to the moon, when they walk or they jump, they tend to float up a little bit and float down. So, yeah, you know, I think there's a pretty good experiment you could try to test the theory of the Earth moving upward at 32 feet per second squared, and that's simply to take a number of objects, anywhere from a ball, a coin, a feather, in fact, I would use those three, stand 32 feet above the ground and simply let it go. If the Earth moves at 32 feet per second squared upward, then each one of those objects should hit the ground within one second, approximately. Right. So, If the feather floats down and takes two seconds, you know that the theory cannot be perfectly accurate there. And, yeah, I mean, gravity is one of those things where it's hard to to explain uh, or gravitational pull, rather, not necessarily gravity. Um, But the way that they put it compared to what Isaac Newton had to say about gravity you know they're they're saying it's completely different so it either way i mean you still can't explain it if we're moving 32 feet per second squared through voided space and i mean maybe this is where the whole dome thing comes into play you know it's protecting us from feeling that that uh that force a little bit or something Mm -hmm. but um Either way, I mean, it's still not explaining gravity properly, regardless of whether you look at the actual definition of gravity compared to the flat Earth gravity. It's kind of hard to explain either one. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the other ones that we decided to to look at and uh, kind of discuss a little bit is, you know, rotation of sun, moon, stars, and the dome cover. Now. Like we discussed at the beginning, the flat Earth theory basically states that there's a dome over the disk, and everything is inside the dome, rotating around 
it above, I guess basically above what the earth is. And basically the earth is pretty much the center of the universe. Roughly. Now, science is telling us that it's actually opposite. Earth is rotating around our st- our sun, which is a star, and everything else is rotating around this huge black hole in the center of the universe. So one thing that came to mind during this is I, I honestly don't understand this this concept because the way that they talk about the sun and the moon rotating, it almost seems like there would be a constant point. And I've looked at the, at the diagram that they've shown as to how the sun and the moon rotate around the earth. If in my opinion, and it could be fact as well, if if that were the case, there would be a certain point on the earth that would be constantly light 100 percent of the time and i to my knowledge that is not the case correct you know it's interesting because i know what diagram you're talking about and they don't i don't think they show the whole diagram because according to the flat earth theory there are obviously different positions for the sun uh in the summer in the spring and in the winter therefore what they're saying is the sun almost creates a spiral starting closer in the center is summer then moving outward is spring, then even further outward is winter, which would then suggest that there is no particular place on Earth that really does stay light for more than a couple months, much like we have now. Um, I know, however, that on the diagram that we saw, it seems that the sun is constantly hovering over the North Pole, meaning there's never darkness there. But we know that's not true. Yeah. That, I mean, and I... I don't know. I guess that's just my understanding of this animation diagram, whatever, because um, it almost looks like it's sitting in the same spot the entire time mm-hmm. as far as how the rotation goes. Right. So I don't know if they were just representing one of those times, like the winter solstice or the summer solstice, whatever. It's probably but, what they were doing, something like that. Okay. Well, then, you know... it. From my understanding, I mean, th- that still doesn't justify that the Earth is flat the way that they're putting it together. Because really what they're basing a lot of their fact on is that there is a flattened map that actually was created years and years and years ago before Pythagoras, before a lot of other uh, theorists that had come up with that it's actually a, a sphere, not not flat. Um, so they're basically saying, you know, we were lied to by many scientists that the original map is actually what it what Earth looks like. So I'm I'm trying to understand this whole rotation of the sun moon around the earth. And from what you came across, it was saying other planets are underneath this dome too, right? Yeah. I mean, it's saying that basically everything we see when we look at the night sky is located within this dome and everything outside of the dome 
just isn't there. It's non-existent. Nothing but black, empty space outside the dome. Therefore, anything that we see moving in the sky is within our own plane, um, which just doesn't really make sense. Because then it comes to the question, well, if that's true and this dome is really a dome and everything's just circling, then why is it that we end up with meteorites and asteroids hitting the planet, which we have very significant evidence of? Um, the only reasonable explanation is one of one of two, either A, the firmament is falling or aka the dome is falling down upon us and therefore will soon be collapsing or B, the flat earth theory, at least regarding the dome is false and there is much more outside of our atmosphere such as we know today, the planets, the stars, the other galaxies, et cetera, et cetera, and things moving outside as well. Um, so, yeah, that really just doesn't make any sense at all. And, you know, when you look up the info as to why asteroids and meteors come down, it's very vague. And that's one thing that you notice with flat Earth theorists. They're usually very, very vague in their belief and in how to and in their uh, description of what they believe and why they believe it. Uh, if you go and, you know, talk to somebody who believes that the Earth is spherical, they're never going to argue with you because they think the evidence speaks for itself. But a flat earth theorist is going to do everything they can to claim otherwise, but they're always going to be vague. They're always going to leave you wanting a little bit more, asking questions that they're not going to quite give you a full answer to. It's bits and pieces and bits and pieces because they don't really have full, full evidence. They have a couple of books that are written very long ago, which I'm not saying are insignificant or not truthful, but I think you need to start using some modern science in order to test the theories and uh, uh, the so-called evidence that they gather from these books and that the old the oldies, I will call them, uh, figured out on their own. Um, you know, one thing about the this whole idea of the rotation of the sun and the moon, etc., I mean, there's a few questions that come up about it. Because if the Earth is flat, you have to question why is it that the sun sets under the horizon? Why does it seem to dip under the horizon? Now, there was one instant that I, instance that I came across online in which somebody stated the reason for that being is due to uh, water particles in the sky. He said that the further if – you, if you notice and pay attention to lights, the further you move away from the light, the bigger it seems to get. Hmm. A good thought about this is when you look at cars on the highway. In a distance, the lights look really big and bright, but up close, they're actually quite small. And that has to do with the light appearing through the mist and this and that. Um, however, the problem with that is that the sun, when it gets larger and dips behind the horizon, it's actually dipping. We're seeing a you know three quarters of the sun, then a half a sun, then a quarter of the sun, then the sun's gone. If the Earth was flat, we'd always see the whole sun, and then it would simply vanish. On a flat Earth. Even if we were in the darkness, if there were no clouds in the sky, we should be able to look wherever the sun might be and see the sun, even if it's not shining upon us. Now, mind you, the theorists, the, the flat earth theorists believe that the sun is simply a spotlight, meaning all the sun rays are pointing parallel to the earth instead of in a number of different directions. Therefore, even if it's, it's like, a, like a street light, if you're standing underneath a street light, the light is directly on you. Yeah, But if you move 50 feet away from the streetlight, the light's no longer on you. You're in the dark, but you can still see the streetlight. 
That's what we'd, we should be seeing with the sun if we lived on a flat earth. But since we can't see the sun, that in itself should be significant enough to prove that we're on a spherical earth because the sun is no longer visible. Another thing is that science claim well, – well, one of the claims that science makes or one of the arguments is the constellations in the sky. Now, if you look up at the night sky in the dead of winter, you'll see constellations that aren't there in the summer, meaning that either we're moving, the Earth is moving its a- on its axis, axis, or the constellations are moving. Now, either one is fine, regardless of what theory you, you want to choose or <laughs> in that instance. But if the Earth is flat, you should be able to see all the constellations at one time at any time during the year at night which means everyone in the you know south of us should be able to see the big dip dipper right but we know that they can't and we should be able to see what they see but we can't until the earth starts moving on its axis and then things shift uh, so you know that's one of the things you have to you have to think of and consider now, why is it that we don't see these constellations unless, of course, the Earth is spherical and therefore the constellations are on the other side of the Earth? And I think that brings up a great point about the, the difference between the two, because like you're saying, it, it, it would make sense that we would constantly see all compared to only certain ones. And I think that's a pretty good argument there. And um I think this would be a good point for us to take a quick break, folks. We're going to get a little more in-depth on a couple other of the points here, but uh, we're going to listen to Eric's trailer for The Revealed, and we'll be right back with Paratruth Radio. Hey, this is Eric, and you're about to listen to the audio trailer of my short film, The Revealed, which is now streaming worldwide. Check it out at ericscareback.com parachutheradio.com, and YouTube. The links are provided in the description of this episode. Start from the beginning. When did it all begin? Hello. Can you kids? At Old Grove Church. This has led many scholars to question whether the God that we serve is truly omnipotent, omniscient, spiritual, or simply a New Age extraterrestrial, while others are led to question, are we truly alone in the universe? So, these dreams, they're different this time around. Hi, I'm Emma. And I'm Joe. And And we're we're the the Professional professional Book book nerds. Nerds. Two Mondays a month, we interview authors and talk about their upcoming books, what drives them, and their go-to order at the cafe. On Thursdays, we share recommendations and dive into topics readers face, like how do I actually read the books on my to-be-read list? You can find the Professional Book Nerds podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn more about us? Our website is professionalbooknerds.com, and you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. We hope you'll come and listen, and as always, happy happy reading. reading! 
What's up, folks? Welcome back to Paratruth Radio. My name is Eric. And I'm Justin. And we have been discussing the flat earth theory and comparing it with, of course, modern science and the spherical earth theory. We've discussed a number of things. Uh, we've discussed how NASA admits Photoshop. We've discussed the rotation of the sun, the moon, the stars, and, of course, the dome cover over the flat earth. Uh, and we've even covered gravity. Um the next thing I think we want to get into, because this is something Justin wanted to bring up, was the eclipse factor. Mm-hmm. Now, there's an argument from the spherical side that says that the Earth has to be spherical based on the fact that there are solar eclipses and lunar eclipses. Uh, reason being is that it would only make sense, and you could test this out for yourself using a flashlight and, an, and a couple of uh, small round objects. Uh Basically, when it comes to a lunar eclipse, you have the moon on one side of the Earth, the sun directly on the other side of the Earth, and the sun casts the shadow of a round Earth onto the moon. Vice versa, we actually have, for the solar eclipse, the sun, then we have the moon between the sun and the Earth, and that creates the the solar eclipse. Now... Justin, you said that there's a specific theory regarding the flat earthers uh, as to this eclipse factor and why they claim that there can be an eclipse with a flat earth as opposed to the spherical one. Yeah, the the theory that they're posing is that any celestial body could eclipse the earth or the, the sun or the moon rather. Um, which is a good argument. I understand that. But you would think if it was another celestial body, take, for example, Jupiter, much larger than, than Earth. So if it was Jupiter eclipsing the moon or the sun, don't you think it would last a lot longer than what most eclipses do? It mm-hmm. usually takes roughly... A couple minutes to maybe an hour, depending on on the eclipse. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know the one of the other arguments that they're they're stating on this is NASA is going by old charts that that chart the um, the eclipses mm-hmm. and just basing their their findings. They're basing their findings on when the next eclipse is going to happen. By old charge, which doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I mean, look at how many times we've looked back in the past to understand things today. Mm-hmm. But th- that's where I'm kind of lying on this is you would think that if it was a bigger or, or another celestial body, it, it would last longer or shorter compared to what we're seeing because usually it's about the same for each eclipse so right well and it's interesting because i mean now obviously i'm sure the flat earth believes that uh the other celestial bodies are much smaller than what nasa says they are because obviously if if jupiter is the size that we believe it to be then it would destroy earth if it were ever to come in between Earth and the moon. 
so you can't really get any clips without everything being destructed uh, destroyed. However, you know, one thing that I want to bring up, because I can't, it doesn't really go along with the eclipse, but it kind of makes sense because we have phases for the moon. Hmm. Now, flat Earth theorists believe, much like the sun being a spotlight, that the moon itself generates its own light and doesn't get it from the sun. However, that doesn't quite explain a couple of things. One, if the moon lit up on its own, why are there shadows where the crater, where craters. the craters are? Second, if the moon lights up on its own, why does it go through phases? Why is it that one, well, approximately one or two nights every month, there's pretty much no moon at all? What is the point? What is the reasoning behind that? And I don't know. I mean, I can't find any answers from a flat Earth theory. Because but, the moon is a space station built by aliens and it flies away. Okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> what, what project was that? What, what, that's one of the ones we've covered in the past. I'm not sure. What, I can't remember anymore. Uh, well, it, it wasn't something specific we covered. We had just had brought it up that there was a was theory. Was I think so. No, we did, it might have been Blue Book. Um, <laughs> But that no, that was one of the beliefs where people say on the dark side of the moon are where the aliens are living and yeah. building the whatever. Anyway, <laughs> so I mean, hey, if there's any flat Earth people out there uh, who can tell us why the moon goes through phases—the new moon, the quarter moon, the half moon, the full moon—through uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera—then uh, let us know because otherwise it just doesn't really make sense from a flat Earth perspective. Well, well from a, go ahead. I'll read the definition from Flat Earth Society. And it says this, when one observes the phases of the moon, he sees the moon's day and at night, a shadow created from the sun illuminating half of the spherical moon at any one time. The lunar phases vary cyclically according to the changing geometry of the moon and the sun, which are constantly wobbling up and down and exchange altitudes as they rotate around the North Pole. When the moon and sun are at the same altitude, one half of the lunar surface is illuminated and pointing towards the sun. This is called the first quarter moon. When the observer looks up, he will see a shadow cutting the moon in half. The boundary between the illuminated and the unilluminated hemisphere is called the terminator. When the moon is below the sun, sun's altitude, the moon is dark and a new moon occurs. When the moon is above the altitude of the sun, the moon is fully lit and a full moon occurs. The time between two full moons or between successive occurrences of the same phase is about 29.53 days on average. This detonates the cycle of alternating altitudes. So basically what they're saying is the sun and moon are going up and down constantly, basically. And depending on where they're at is how the the moon phases work. I don't understand theirs any more so than I understand the faces of the moon by science. But it sounds a little more complicated than than what science is telling us. Oh, sure. I mean, they're, they're, I think they're going to go out of the way to try to complicate things. But even still, I mean, it, just, it, doesn't, it still doesn't resonate. It doesn't make much sense. Um, I mean, when, when you think about how much work they have to put into regarding up and down and, the, you know, the change in states for everything – uh, it, it just, I don't, I mean, this is, this is more so my opinion. It just, it just doesn't make sense. 
But okay, so there we have an answer from somebody in the flat Earth. Now, I mean, if there are flat Earth flat Earth believers out there that can explain it better to us, please do so because. We're having a hard time understanding a lot of this stuff. Maybe you can put it in a little more layman's terms or something where we can we can understand it better. Yeah, because, I mean, let, let's face it. Now, this is what's happening is we're seeing a contradiction here because it's saying that, if I'm not mistaken, and correct me if I'm wrong, Justin, but it's saying that the sun is lighting up the moon, hence the reason why there's a shadow at certain phases. Mm-hmm. And yet, in other places where we read about the uh, flat Earth theory, it's saying that the moon itself, the moon itself, illuminates on its own without help from the sun. So depending on contra- yeah, depending on the person or theory right. that you're talking so about. We're right. con- a contradiction here, which is a big issue for any theory, which means somebody has to bring all the flat earthers together and say, "Hey, we need to choose one." But let us know, you know, because we, we know somebody's going to give us one thing and someone else will give us another, and it's always going to be this constant juggle of which one is correct for the flat earth theory. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, that's okay. You know, there's plenty of people in a number of different uh, groups who aren't fully clear or agree with everything. But let's move into the ice wall here. This is a very interesting, probably the most intriguing, I think, to me, because the theory for the flat earthers is simple, as simple as this. The earth being flat is, in a sense, protected by a giant wall of ice that circles the entire disk. And that circle of ice prevents any salt water from the oceans to slip out over the side and disappear into this into space. And there's uh, the uh, conspiracy theory behind this, too, is if we were to ever climb these ice walls, we would see that the Earth is actually flat and not mm-hmm. spherical. Mm-hmm. On top of that, according to Flat Earth, there are government agencies which are protecting these ice walls to make sure nobody goes and climbs them or finds them even. However, no one has come forth to show us these ice walls, photograph evidence or otherwise, no one has shown us the U-boats or any boats protecting these ice walls. Uh, no one has actually made it to an ice wall and looked over the top of it. Therefore, how do we know that there's a circle of ice around the disk of the flat Earth? Oh, well, I I have seen pictures of people saying that this is the the ice wall, but to it's me, it almost looks like it's a, a glacier that they're taking That's a exactly picture of. That's exactly what it is. It's Antarctica. Now, the thing is, if you go to Antarctica, you can actually go up on the ice <laughs> and walk around for miles. And guess what? You don't fall off the end because there's no end. So, the, I mean, I just don't, I don't understand that. This is, I mean, it's logic. <laughs> it's logical. Guys, well, and I, I didn't come across anything. Maybe you did. Did you come across anything about them saying anything about the scientists and scientific researchers that have gone to Antarctica and are doing research down there. Because the way that the, that the flat earth map looks, mm-hmm. it looks like the Antarctica doesn't exist. It's just these, this huge ice wall. Right. Did you come across anything where they were saying that that's just one big conspiracy, anything like that? Did you come across anything like that? No, nothing in particular. I mean, I, I know that there. Are, I mean, obviously, I know that there are scientists working in Antarctica, 
Uh, I'm sure some of them are government. I'm sure some of them are military or whatever. Uh, but some of them are um, public backed. You know, mm-hmm. um, they're not privately owned. So, you know, th- there's work in Antarctica happening. Um, what's interesting to me, and this has to deal with the whole equator thing, because even with the flat Earth, there's still an equator, which is why the center of the Earth is colder or as cold even or close to it as the so-called ice surrounding the circle or the uh, uh, the disk of the Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just – I don't know. It, it doesn't really make sense you know, when, when, you, th- when you actually think about it because it's like – put it like this. If you look at the map – of the flat earth and you see this circle of ice around the disc. Now you take that map and you roll it down into a ball. What happens to it? What is it? What does it become? A, gl- a globe. Ice, a globe. And the ice becomes Antarctica. Yeah. Right. So what we're seeing in, in this case is simply flat earth uh, theorists taking our globe and smashing it. And now suddenly we had this wall. And, you know, don't. Uh, that's obviously my opinion. But, hey, if I was coming from a flat Earth, I would say, yeah, but you guys took our flat Earth and turned it into a globe. The point being, there is no evidence to support your the, the theory for flat Earthers claiming that, hey, this ice wall exists around the entire Earth. Planes have circumnavigated the Earth. Despite the fact that flat earthers say that the government corrupted the instruments for flat or for airplanes and the pilots were actually flying in circles as opposed to flying around the globe. Uh, it's just, it, it, you know, it's one of those things, man. It just it, it, it just doesn't all add up. These are things that you have to have more faith in on the lack of evidence than following the evidence and believing that the earth is simply a globe. <laughs> Right. Well, and I mean, I'll give the flat earthers one thing. Science doesn't add up a lot of times, too. And mm-hmm. and th- that is true. A lot of stuff that science explains does, doesn't always necessarily add up. But it doesn't justify the fact that the earth is flat, in my personal opinion, of course. Right. Um, and, you know, the one reason I wanted to do this episode is... Folks, I'm not making fun of you if you believe in the flat Earth theory. As a matter of fact, I've never been outside of Earth's orbit, so I can't tell you one way or the other. All I can tell you is what I, I've learned from science and um, I, 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 my personal belief that it's a globe. It's not, it's not flat Earth. So I'm not here to make fun of you guys. I don't think Eric's here to make fun of you. We're trying to bring you as much facts as possible, and you know we're also bringing science into it, our own personal beliefs. Now, the one thing that I did want to cover before we pretty much wrap it up is there are a lot of Christians that believe that in this flat earth theory. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the one thing that I had heard, I, I believe was on a podcast, or actually it was one of the videos I watched, and it basically stated that, you know, earth, because it's flat, is unique compared to the rest of the planets. And that's where I think a lot of a lot of Christians jive with it is a lot of Christians believe Earth is special. You know, it was created for humans, which obviously it was. We live here. But they always bring up scripture that that is supposed to 
um, support the flat earth theory. And I wanted to give you a chance to go over any of those plus any ones that might support a spherical earth theory. Yeah. Um, well, I think the one that really uh, points out to Christians in regards to the earth being flat is the term four corners of the earth, which I believe is used four times throughout the Bible. Uh, one of the most significant times is in Revelation 7, 1, uh, in which the angel, <clears throat> in which it refers to the angel standing at the four corners of the earth. Um, now, the issue here is, is that many people, I think, are either A, taking the scripture out of context, or B, aren't going out of their way to do the research uh, on the Hebrew understanding, or in this case, it would be Greek, on the Greek understanding um, of the words used. Now, if you take it as a literal sense, and mind you, the book of Revelation is very far from literal most of the time, and most of it is very figurative, uh, using words to describe something uh, much more horrific. Uh, so in this case, angels standing at the four corners of the, of the earth, uh, I believe controlling the four winds, um, it isn't so much a literal four corner, but instead is a, a reference to a compass or north, south, east, west. And the winds that these angels um, control come from the north, south, east, and west. So it, it's it's really that simple. We're not talking about a flat Earth. We're not. God is not saying, "Hey, here's the, this is a flat Earth. Here's the four corners." He's saying that the angels are from an angel from the north, an angel from the south, an angel from the east, an angel from the west. Simple as that. It's just the way the language is used. Uh, so that's probably one of the most uh, probably the most important passages and not just passages but words that are used in the bible that i think these flat earth uh, christians are, are taking under their wing and saying hey this this is why it's flat mm -hmm. however there's many many more in the bible which claim that the earth is round or spherical uh one in particular is job twenty six ten. now it says he described a circle upon the face of the waters until the day and night come to an end. Now, this spherical earth is also described in Isaiah 40, 21 to 22, in which it says the circle of the earth. Now, this is where you actually have to look into the Hebrew. Um, the entire Old Testament is written in Hebrew and the New Testament is Aramaic and Greek. Now. When we're looking at Job and Isaiah and we're looking at the Hebrew text, the word circle, which is pronounced, I believe, chog, it's C-H-U-W-G, can also mean round or sphere. So here we're seeing that Isaiah, both Isaiah and Job are using the words round or sphere as opposed to, you know, a flat disc or something like that. So jumping back to Job 26.10, we'll see during that passage that it really indicates where light terminates, a word that you used recently here, Justin, uh, where light terminates and darkness begins, simply meaning that when one light dips beneath the horizon, the other governing light rises, bringing darkness. Uh, mind you, there's two governing lights, the sun for the day and the moon for the night. God ordained those in the beginning of time uh, in the book of Genesis. I think one thing that's actually pretty interesting about this in the fact that, uh, you know, both Job and Isaiah use the terms sphere for circle. And even God uses the word circle uh, in Genesis. It, it's really cool because these are both, you know, 
guys who are thousands of years before some of our scientists came along. Uh, you had mentioned earlier that Pythagoras uh, in the 6th century BC suggested that the Earth was spherical. But what's even more interesting is that Eratosthenes of Alexandria, circa 276 to 192 BC, actually calculated the circumference of the Earth within 50 miles of the present estimate today. Now, what's cool about this is that these guys, being both around 6th century BC or uh, 192 BC, is outdated by Job, which is the oldest recorded book in Hebrew book in the Bible. And so we're going back four to 6,000 years ago, way before anyone else could figure it out, which clearly shows that obviously God meant for uh, meant for the earth to be spherical and to be circular. Uh, you know, one, one thing that is very easy to do is to type in either flat earth or round earth and Bible. And of course, you're going to get a couple different things. You're going to get you're going to get a bunch of stuff about the, how the Bible proves there's a flat earth. You're also going to get a bunch of stuff about how the Bible proves there's a spherical earth. Now, what you need to do is read both because you can't settle on one. You need to read both and see which one actually makes more sense. And I think that's the problem we have with many uh, people who believe one thing and are quick to disregard another. They don't take the time to research both sides. They just want the one. It is also interesting, one more thing real quick, it's also interesting based on uh, this whole idea of space and how it's dark and void according to the flat earth. Um, there are approximately 16 scriptures within the Bible uh, which God, in which refer to God stretching out the heavens. And it's interesting because he wouldn't simply – like if he was stretching out only a dome, he wouldn't really be stretching out anything, would he? But in this case, they're saying he stretched out the heavens and that it continues to stretch to this day. And we can see that there are planets and stars and whatnot being formed constantly. Science today, scientists today say that based on what they see, the, earth, the uh, space is only expanding greater and greater. And the Bible says that God expanded the or stretched out the heavens and made it as though a curtain, constantly becoming larger and larger. So, you know, I mean, those are a couple of small things from the Bible and uh, a couple of his historical figures uh, who, who claimed the sphere spherical earth uh, and even estimated it. And so, you know, I think in the end, again, you really have to just go out and look at it yourself. You, you got to do the research. You have to study it. Um, and of course, if you have any questions, feel free to, to jot us. Or if there's something we forgot or are not necessarily clear on, let us know, too, because this is one of those ones where it's hard to even understand what the flat earth theory is trying to say, because we're, we're thinking of a scientific mind and we're not understanding a lot, a lot of the stuff that they're bringing up. So I, I do encourage you guys to get in contact with us one way or the other. If you agree, disagree, um, if you know, if you're a flat earth, a flat earther and, and are able to explain us, explain it to us more, please get in contact with us. Cause I, I mean, I honestly can't understand a lot of the, the theories that they're, they're trying to explain to us, but 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at the end of all this, I don't think the flat Earth theory has changed my mind. I still believe that it is a sphere. You know, NASA may have lied to us about certain things. I don't know. But I don't think that they, they would be taking pictures and making a composite of a globe from a flat Earth just to lie to us. Um, right. And, you know, like Eric just explained, there are people from antiquity, Pythagoras and Aristotle being two of them, that said the Earth is round. It's not mm-hmm. It's not flat like we thought. It's round. Now, to say they were wrong basically puts everything they've ever taught into question. The Pythagorean theorem is one of the most common mathematical equations that is studied when you when you are trying to become a mathematician. So to say that Pythagoras was wrong about the the globe instead of it being flat earth basically says well he was wrong about all of the mathematics as well. Well what's interesting is that the flat earth the flat earthers actually follow their own mathematical formulas in order to calculate everything they want to calculate. Oh, they don't okay. pay attention to the modern, you know, scientific uh, or the modern uh, formulas. So it's very different. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're right. Nonetheless, you know, you, you really have to have respect for those who came before us, regardless of the viewpoints, minus a couple, <coughs> Hitler and <coughs> a few others. Uh, but, you know, you have to have some kind of respect when it comes to science, because that science is what paved the way for what we have today. Now, whether or not you're a you believe in a flat earth, you believe in a spherical earth, it doesn't really matter because science from both sides, uh, especially old science, is going to help you learn and understand uh, whatever it is that, that you're studying today. And again, you really can't have one without the other. Uh, you know, many, many it, – it's, it's interesting because many people always put this up. You can't have faith. And science. You can't have religion and science. It has to be separate. But I think today is a very clear proving that the two go hand in hand. Science, in regards to modern science and the spherical earth, has proved already what the Bible says in the book of Job and the book of Revelation and the book of Isaiah, that the earth is spherical. So, you know, we've said it a number of times. If you want to be a Christian, you should also be a scientist. It's true. Now, that doesn't mean follow what all science, you know, tells you. Don't follow everything that scientists say because many of their theories are wrong. Let's face it. They're theories. The point of a theory is that they can constantly come back to it and reevaluate and change their assumptions. Yeah. Um, but it can help you understand the world. It can help you understand the universe, uh, which is the one thing that God gave us. So, you know, something to think about and look forward to. Well, and I've said this on several topics now, you know, we shouldn't be separating on this stuff. I mean, if you believe in a flat earth and not a globe earth, you know, then believe that it's a flat earth or or a spherical earth. But, you know, you also can't just sit there and argue because actually in some of the videos I saw, there was a lot of arguing back and forth and, you know, uh, I'll put it nicely, poop slinging. <laughs> the, like, for example, I I saw a 
video with Seth Rogen mm-hmm. debating it back and forth with somebody. And if you know Seth Rogen, you know that he's a very outspoken person and gets very nasty. Which which side was he arguing for? The Globe side. Okay. Just curious. There was a there was a guy. Well, actually, what it was is he had a flat earther and a, a, a spherical scientist or whatever you'd want to call it. Um, and then him himself was saying, you can't. I mean, there's no way that you can back this up. The flat earth side. Right. But he was getting very nasty with it. But the other guy, the flat earth guy, was getting just as nasty. I don't know if he was just <laughs> mirroring Seth's. I don't know. It's it, energy, it's, but it's, yeah, it's what happens. People, you know, I think people get so uptight about this stuff because it's what they believe. It's what they want to believe. They don't want to hear anything else from any outside opinion. You know, it's what we you and I tend to deal with a lot in the paranormal community uh, when it comes to our theories and the way we run the show and things like that. A lot of people only want to hear their side of it and they don't care about any other side, yeah. which is very sad because that doesn't make you a very good uh, scientist and it doesn't make you a very good listener. And it doesn't help you solidify your own theory and understanding when talking to other people you need to understand all sides of every argument no matter what it is whether it's god whether it's the earth whether it's the stars whether it's your dog or your neighbor or whatever the heck it is you need to have some kind of substance to grasp and understand where someone else is coming from and it's the only way you're going to have a real good uh argument uh, against whatever it is but <clears throat> you know I've dealt, I saw the same thing online, people just getting nasty, and I actually stopped reading an article when I saw a guy start swearing and calling flat earthers things that you shouldn't say in public nor on radio. Uh, so I actually stopped reading that guy. Even though he was all for the globe theory, which is what I believe, I just have no respect for anyone who's going to act the way they do and cut people down for their beliefs. So yeah, regardless, yeah. <laughs> folks, that is our show. Justin – I know you have a, probably a couple of little things you wanna you wanna mention probably for uh, next week and yep. to you. Uh, next week we have on uh, Ali Siadatan about the connection between uh, Nephilim and extraterrestrials. There he has a documentary out about it, so we're gonna definitely be interested in talking to that because Eric's movie they revealed is similar in a sense that it gives you a a more spiritual aspect to extraterrestrials than beyond which means if you haven't seen the revealed yet it'd be good to watch it before next week's episode so you could be all caught up (laughs) on a couple of things but uh, yeah Um, not that it explains much (laughs) also like i've said numerous times check out FringeRadioNetwork.com, RadioMPodcast.com. Uh, so make sure you check those folks out. We are a part of both of those networks now. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They are at ParatruthRadio.com. Like I said last week, it's Audible, Lootbox, Grasshopper, and BarkBox. But you have to follow the links provided in order to get the deals that they are allowing our listeners Definitely check out all of this great stuff and more at paratruthradio.com. And any further things from you? Justin, it's been a pleasure as always. It's been a great, (laughs) fun discussion. I hope everyone else enjoyed it. Uh, You guys are a heck of a good fans. So uh, keep tuning in. 
every Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We love having you. Feel free to talk to us because we like talking to you, too. But, yeah, I'll let you finish it up and take it away. <laughs> All right, folks, on that note, until next week, where you will find us next week, same time, same channel. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. Peace. If you enjoyed this episode of Paratruth Radio and you would like to listen to it again or are interested in listening to any of our past episodes, then you can find them at Stitcher, Blueberry, TuneIn, iTunes, Spreaker, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and the Fringe Radio Network. Or for a one-time fix of all of your Paratruth needs, simply drop in to paratruthradio.com. And of course, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram for brand new updates on our show every day. Finally, we love bringing you fresh, entertaining media each and every week, but we can't do it without you. So please check out our Patreon account. Simply go to paratroofradio.com, click on the Patreon logo, and help us to continue bringing you the latest and greatest in paranormal research. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far? in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.